0: Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at nreionline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Let's dive into this week's top stories. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well this week. How are you? Fantastic. It's been a wonderful week so far, and uh, it looks like you guys have covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, we're going to do some more highlights this week. We like highlights. So what what are the stories we're going to be covering?
0: Uh, we have a report from a National Seniors Housing Conference that's taking place um, right now, actually. We also have the latest information on what's going on with WeWork's pending IPO. We've talked about WeWork a couple of times, so yep. just sort of an update on what's happening with them and... Uh, what people are thinking then i got a couple of just sort of quick bullet items this week one just looking at the latest investment sales figures for the sector and just what that's telling us um, about um how people are are feeling and maybe what we should expect for the rest of the year and then lastly an update on what's going on with multifamily construction financing
1: all right so the first one was NIC fall conference just kind of the some of the takeaways from that yeah, it's the National Investment Center for Seniors Housing and and Care.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Nick, uh, it's their fall conference taking place in Chicago um this week um about th- I think there's about 3000 people at it. It's it's probably the the uh, biggest show of the year devoted specifically to seniors housing investment. So that's going on right now. So one one of the the things that that they were focusing on at least in, in day 1 this is sort of like Recapping what happened, the conference is kind of like while we're recording this conference is sort of in in progress, so this is this was what I'm going to talk about is stuff that came up during the first day, and then um, next week we might might touch on stuff that happened on the rest of the conference. All right sounds good. Um, so so date, so one of the big points of discussion during the first day of the conference uh, was identifying an opportunity in the sector. That may be underserved at this point, because because typically private pay seniors housing has a fairly high price point, and then you have public, publicly funded or Medicaid, you know, people who are who are using on Medicaid at, at sort of like are, are in another part of the seniors housing space. And what they've identified is that there's sort of like a gap, you know, that there that that there might be demand for seniors housing, but people that maybe can't necessarily afford higher price facilities, but are probably, but are you know above the thresholds for Medicaid assistance. All right. So according to so a study that they did that there's going to be over 14 million middle income seniors by 2029, which is about six million more than today. Mm-hmm. And this is a again this is a part of a market part of the market that 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 they're identifying as not currently being served by the senior housing sector. I mean that's that's a huge chunk. Yeah, um, you know, it just goes along with the aging population. It goes along with um, you know just other macro trends, uh, but just having this this segment of the population that might not have a solution if the market continues the way it's going right now. Yeah, that's a scary thought for a lot of people. Yeah. So you know, and again, like so, so Nick is is primarily you know dealing with. Private companies that are and investors who are in the space. So what they're saying is, what their study's saying is that if you know the the biggest stumbling block here would be the would it be the costs for you know the out of pocket costs for the residents. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way, so like they're identifying essentially a, an opportunity that if we could if the, you know carve out a part of the sector that is below the current average costs, and may be able to. You know, soak up some of this potential demand for people that currently there isn't a good fit for in the in the existing senior housing space. Hmm. So currently, the average out-of-pocket cost for an assisted living facility is around sixty thousand dollars a year. So according to their study, if operators can lower that cost to fifty thousand dollars instead, that approximately two and a half more million seniors could then afford. To uh, move into move into the facilities,
1: which would be a very positive thing, obviously for the seniors. How would that affect the the overall market then?
0: So I think it like what you know, obviously if they're paying less. Out of pocket, it means that that they you'd have to find a way to cut your expenses if you're going to lower the price. You know, be able to lower the price point for um, seniors moving in. So I think that's that's I guess the the ultimate like one of the takeaways or what the uh, 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 or the challenge I guess that they're trying to push forward is that for operators. You know, if you can find a way to lower your cost of capital or somehow lower your cost of operations without sacrificing the level of care that you're providing at these facilities, then then you might uh, then that creates the opportunity for people that currently couldn't come to actually now take it you know live in the facilities that they that they would need to.
1: Do you think this will start a trend to build larger facilities to be able to have more seniors in bulk for lack of better terms. I mean, really, <laughs> right. I mean, if you're, if you're lowering it by $10,000 per year and you're going to, you're looking at building a facility, you may think, okay, well, I'm going to have to make either the rooms a little smaller, right? Maybe we do that a little bit and, and put in 20 more rooms so that we have more the, the, to offset that difference in cost. I don't know. I don't, I'm not in the, <laughs> not in the market for that at this point, but I'm just curious how they're going to try to balance that out. Yeah, I think it's.
0: I think that's the open question, which is, you know, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily have like a one, one set recommendation for how um, costs could be streamlined, but they're just sort of like providing a figure for if, you know, if the, you know, kind of throwing it back to the industry, if if you can do X, then it will mean Y for 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 serving potential demand in the space, and 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 again, and they're pointing at this as a potential growing demand in the next you know decade or so given the number of seniors they're projecting that would fall into an income range um, that could be served if the costs just weren't so high yeah no that makes sense so i thought that was um, you know You know, they put out. I think I think we actually wrote about this study earlier in the year, and there's a story on our site about it. Um, But if you just go to the the takeaway, you know, the takeaway piece itself has a link, I think, directly to their report, to the write-up we've done, and a couple other supporting um, points that are related to related to some of these broader points that that um that I just talked about.
1: Yeah, definitely, people should go check that out. Yeah. So, I
0: think that was like the, the the biggest thing. then one other you know just quick data point from from the conference, which is that they just pointed out that because Nick also is a pretty um, important uh, maintainer of statistics within the space in terms of like average rents, average occupancies for the different sectors. So they reported that actually nursing home occupancy uh, had its first year-over year increase um, since January two thousand and fifteen. Uh, in the past in the first quarter of this year. Mm. so I thought that was sort interesting just given that the overall you know demand that you think there would be you know that there is or would be for the full range of uh, seniors housing options that it's been actually a few years since the occupancy rate ticked up uh, for specifically for nursing homes yeah so those are the main the main points from from this piece um, and now I want to move on to uh, talking once again about weWork which we've which we've Talked about a few times yeah. on this podcast,
1: I like WeWork so far.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of people do, and a lot of people have questions, and um, that's I think that's what makes it such an interesting story. Um, I think for me, the what's emerged as you know, I think what's been interesting is you know, we're now they filed for an IPO, so with that has come a whole new layer of transparency about the company, things mm-hmm. that we uh, had questions about, you know, this company had, has created so much buzz, and they've spent, so, you know, they raised a lot of capital, private capital, and, you know, had, had all sorts of private investors come in and and helped fuel their rise, uh, and then we were always wondering, like, you know, how are they making money? Yeah. <laughs> the more that we've gotten to look under the hood, okay, they're not making money, they're pushed, but they're still like have so much buzz around around this potential going public you know much more than you would think for and I think part part of what it gets at is like whether you understand we work as a real estate company or something else because if they were a real estate company um, their valuation would if they were seen as a real estate company it seems like their valuation wouldn't be seen the way that at that it, that it was at least earlier in the year and I think that's one of the things that's kind of come out as people continue to look at their business model and just sort of you know See that they're ultimately, you know, they they they're, they've got their hands on a lot of other things. I think we've talked about like you know, buy you know, investing in schools and and um, fitness and all sorts of other sort of ancillary businesses. But their core business remains either buying or leasing office space mm-hmm. and then releasing it at a higher cost to smaller tenants. You yeah. know, and trying to like basically leverage that. And in, in addition to that, providing a whole layer of and you know. For the return for that is, you know, you get your internet, you get meeting facilities, and all sorts of stuff for people that aren't necessarily in a position for they don't need a full time office or um, they're transitioning to the point where they're going where they would would open a full time office. We work as is, you know, your incubator space.
1: Yeah. Do Do you think people are looking at this point through rose colored glasses because of all these other bells and whistles kind of things that you're bringing up? I think
0: they were, and I think that's like I think there's that's that's we're in this process of like where those classes are at least partially coming off because one one thing that's happened is that um earlier in the year back in January when First started talking about this i p o and people are still trying to we're trying to figure out how much the company's worth. The estimates of its valuation were were as high as like uh, almost fifty billion dollars mm. and now people believe it's actually more like twenty billion dollars oh yeah that's a so that's a
1: slight <laughs> loss on
0: that one yeah so Christmas. um that's as far as we know, i mean as far as they're they're saying and as far as we know they're they're intending to move ahead with this ipo at the end of the month but i think there's not people raising questions about whether it's going to happen because because of these kinds of questions about its business model and its prospects and what kind of company
1: is it is it actually okay do you think there's is there are there answers on the horizon i mean is there somebody that's gonna do a really good investigation of what's going on and you know WeWork's gonna cooperate with them to the where they're like well yeah now let me show you what we're doing here and
0: I mean, I think that's the process that's unfolding because as part of the IPO, they've had to do a whole number of SEC filings. Mm-hmm. Um and these SEC filings have what have you know now we have hard numbers about how much they're losing. We have hard numbers about how much real estate that they're leasing and they own and um, can kind of like, you know figure out. Uh, what their valuation should be, uh, you know. One of the more concrete things that that's happened in the past couple of weeks is the debt rating agencies have downgraded WeWork as well, partially based on I think seeing this information. So that's not necessarily a good sign for them. Yeah. Um. If you know, like, their cost of debt is going to be higher now because of what uh, Fitch and the other rating agencies are are saying about them. So, and I think there's still the question about. You know, when are they going to? Make, at what point do they stop spending so much money and start posting uh, profits as opposed to quarterly losses that they're currently
1: um, logging up at quarter after quarter after quarter at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I'm sure everybody wants to know that. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I think the other question that 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 came up in the in the piece that we did is, um, you know, now landlords who have. To this point, you know, I think I think landlords have also had sort of a learners have struggled. I think to, to figure out whether or not they should rent space to WeWork or not. And I think up to now they have, but they're starting to see WeWork more as a competitor to their core business, um, even while they're a tenant. So like, okay, yeah. are you know we is we were gonna like come in and and prov- and offer um, space or offer. You know, steal somebody that could actually be a permanent office tenant instead.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that so, would be my concern. Yeah,
0: so I think that's you know that's that's coming up. So, I, and if that, you know, at this point, you know, landlords have certainly leased a lot of space to we work across the country and even and across the globe. So I don't know if that's going to slow down or not, but that's but it's potentiality as well. I guess that that's being raised by um,
1: by people that we we're talking to. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of ripples in the pond with this situation. Just so many layers that that need to be evaluated, I guess.
0: Yeah, and for me, it's just like, you know, we we spent a lot of time talking about this company. That, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if they were just if they just build themselves as a real estate company, you know, there are there are other companies that that do co working space that do flexible office space. That don't have that that have similar size portfolios, maybe not at this point, I don't know um where they all rank out. but don't get the attention that we were you know they they've done a tremendous job of getting a lot of buzz about themselves. Mm-hmm. and I think they've done it and that that has partly partially fueled the this IPO investor interest. But then I think increasingly what we're seeing is that like, all right, you know if one of these other companies that essentially does the same business, flexible office space, co-working space, if they were doing an IPO, they wouldn't be getting this kind of attention. Yeah, uh, and some of them already are actually already public companies and are not don't have those kind of valuations that 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 what we're talking about around WeWork. So I think that raises some you know that that raises some big questions. Yeah. Um, so I think what we're going to see is hopefully within another I, you know at this point they're doing their roadshow. Um, I think the IPO is scheduled for around the end of the month. So I think. Soon we'll have um, you know we'll have an answer as to what if they proceed with that what the mark an answer as to how the market is going to value them and then I guess we'll see going forward what their operations look like.
1: All right, well I know you'll keep us posted.
0: Yeah, so you know that's just our latest uh, checking on WeWork. Hopefully we you know we will I guess we will probably have a maybe a couple maybe one more before the IPO, but hopefully we can um, talk you know we'll try to talk about some of these. The other parts of the business too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now I just wanted to touch on um, some some data, looking at what's going on with overall investment sales volume within the commercial real estate sector. A couple of the big data providers and brokers put out have put out first half numbers, um, and overall, what we saw in the second quarter is um, a year over year gain in overall investment sales volume. According to CoStar, they put the figure at $130 billion for the second quarter, which is a 14% year over year increase from the second quarter of 2018. Um, But with that, they've also raised they as well as CBRE, as well as Real Capital Analytics, other um, people that are watching the space Raise the prospect that you know there might we could be seeing a slowdown in in investment sales activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, partially, that's attributed to because we're we're seeing a slowdown in funds uh, raising money to for the space. So therefore, less funds having less money or raising less money means that they're they're going to invest less. Yep. <laughs> and I think there's just this overall sentiment that. That we've talked about a couple times, which is you know, this cycle at, at this point has gone on much longer than any other growth cycle for, for commercial real estate. But I think there's just a general level of caution about a the length of this cycle and b some uncertainty about the overall economic conditions that may just lead to people Taking a little bit longer, thinking a little longer about about the deals they're making right now.
1: Of course, I mean a lot of people are talking about a lot of advisors out there are talking about what's up with the next recession. We know one will come at some point. We don't know when, but here's you know some of the indicators that we're seeing. So I right. think it's I think it's wise to be cautious from any standpoint. Um, so it makes sense that they are at this point. Yeah, and I think that the question is for real estate
0: uh, how. You know, if there is a broader recession, how much will it hit commercial real estate sector? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it depends on where we see the slowdowns. What's the cause of the slowdown overall? How much you know? Anything that's going to affect demand will will trickle down to affect demand for real estate. So, you know, I don't think there's a there's a scenario where we have a recession and real estate just floats by, but. Uh, I think certain certain factors could have a greater impact on on how deep and how 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 much the commercial real estate space gets
1: affected by it. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I'm just not ready to patent my crystal ball yet. So yeah, once <laughs> I get that done, David, you and I'll have another conversation. But yeah, it's, exactly. Nobody knows. Yeah,
0: um, another another notable trend though within looking at what's going on in investment sales is that foreign investors with foreign investors in U.S. property became net sellers of real estate u.s real estate for the first time in seven years Mm. so that was sort of an interesting takeaway that that was pointed out um as a warning side specifically by cbre and uh, rca said they did say that it's a flashing more of a yellow light than a red light when looking at that at that figure but you know they both they both pointed to it as an interesting data point about what's been going on in the market that foreign buyers are um, have pulled back a little bit for the first time in a, in 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 a while in when looking at U.S. real estate.
1: Yeah, either way, it's a flashing light, and that's yeah. <laughs> it's still going to make me pause. Right, so yeah, yeah.
0: So I think net net deals are getting done. It's not like deals are not getting done. People are still buying commercial real estate. Um, there are still a lot of there's still a lot of money that wants to wants to get the returns that commercial real estate can offer. Especially, uh, I think with you know what's going on with interest rates, there's you know the just the the relative yields um, makes real estate still an attractive proposition. If you can, you know, if you feel pretty good about the that property's leases and underlying tenants and all that kind of stuff, but there, you know, I think. There is a little bit of caution that we should be aware of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what those numbers are telling us. Um, our last piece that I wanted to touch base on um, is also a similar similar kind of sentiment. Uh, but in this case, we're looking at multifamily development and specifically construction financing for multifamily development. We're finding that um, suddenly, because of how much, the cost of construction are rising lenders are becoming more hesitant to finance development
1: yeah yeah a he- lot of hesitation in these stories yeah <laughs> with, with good <laughs> reason i'm sure
0: yeah um again like i said similar similar kind of feeling we're late in the cycle mm-hmm. um we people feel like you know that at some point we there's going to be a dip so just No one's tapping you know, full stop on anything. But there's just, you know, people are just trying to be careful. So they're not being as aggressive with loan terms. They are um, not being as aggressive with investment, as we talked about in the last story. Mm-hmm. But specifically here, what we're talking about is that, in terms of like the kind of terms that lenders are giving multifamily developers, is now they're only like, maybe two years ago, they were willing to finance a development at 65% loan to cost. Now they're saying 60% loan to cost. They're not keeping the the, they're not keeping pace with the the way that the costs of construction are rising on a year-over-year year basis, which is partly being affected by um, tariffs. And to be to be uh, you know kind of bring in the full context here, uh, you know some some material the cost on some materials is rising ten to fifteen percent annually at this point. So development's getting more expensive. Lenders are not keeping you know are not willing to. Uh, lend money to keep pace with those rising costs, so that's going to put some additional pressure on developers uh, in terms of how they're, if they're able to 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 move ahead with projects or not, because they're either going to have to put more of their own equity in, you know, or they're going to have to pencil their deals out to accept a little bit lower yields than than they were. We're anticipating because of their, you know, because their capital costs and the amount of capital they're getting from lenders is, is different than what it was a couple of years ago. Got it. So it's not to say that, you know, lenders are, again, that lenders are not financing construction, but they're just being more cautious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of like the
1: sort of our theme That's for the, the day. That's the theme for the day. Yeah, <laughs> so Sesame Street had what letters and numbers and things. And today, the word of the day is cautious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm feeling very, very self-conscious about saying it a lot, but I don't know. You know, other than saying hesitant, cautious, that's yeah. You know, I. but That's 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 what we're that. But people were talking
1: to. That's what they're saying. That's that's it. Those are the facts. That's what we yeah, deliver. Those facts. So
0: so you know, that's I think you know that as with all of these stories. I think you know folks should go to the website. we you know, we talked to a lot of folks in the space. So there are people who experts on all these pieces that we've quoted, links to the full reports on all four of these pieces. So please go to
1: you know NREIonline.com um, to check check them all out. Fantastic. And there's other headlines that are on the website that they should be checking out. Um, how long will true diversity elude commercial real estate? Could a recession impact boutique fitness studios more than big box gyms and another one student housing developers focus on tier 2 schools for new projects. So those are all on the web ready for people to to download and read. Exactly. Those are
0: yeah, we had a little bit a uh, little bit less this week because of the holidays, but we still have saw a lot of coverage for people to check out.
1: Absolutely. All right, David, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for listening to the commonary podcast with David Bodimer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these with your colleagues. Thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted
0: represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and
1: educational purposes only.